welcome to Thursday's episode of the 9 to 5 Roundup with me, Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And uh, we're back for another week looking at um, some stories from around the 905 region. And we're going to start off just uh, following up on our Tuesday episode with uh, Scott Wallace of Burlington Taxi because um, just a really interesting story. And we, we both felt that our interview with Scott threw some extra light onto things that um, uh, uh, it's worth exploring um, and, and discussing uh, beyond uh, just a conversation with with Scott. So, uh, Joel, what what uh, what's what were your thoughts? My my thoughts on that entire conversation with Scott was it 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 changed the narrative around this this uh, this story, and it turned I think it turned into a bit of a borderline scandal at, at City Hall. I would I, if you haven't listened to the interview, folks, definitely go back listen to the whole thing. Because uh, Scott dropped, I thought it was a bombshell of a of a piece that um, changed the again changed the narrative that we were told for a number of days by by uh, mayor and other councillors and the other councillors at, at City Hall that yeah 2018 there was an order in council uh, directive to the city staff go review the by- city bylaws for, pertaining to taxi services and that for some strange odd reason that never materialized. Nobody, either nobody did the report or nobody handed the report to city council. It just poof, vanished into the ether uh, somewhere in, uh, on Branch Street. Uh, what Scott's told us was that he was actually in contact between 2018 and 2020 with city staff uh, requesting you know, follow up on on that directive and to to push that matter forward. Uh, to which he, he, he repeatedly blamed himself for not pushing hard enough to, to get a resolution. Uh, to that regard, I thought, okay, so if he's been in touch with city staff, uh, we asked him, he, he, he didn't divulge which staff he was in touch with, but if he's calling city staff to say, okay, let's get down to be, let's get down to this. Let's do the work review and, and, and report back to city, city council. And, you know, the question was, like, what happened? Like in that case, there was like a willful decision to not do this, um, and that 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 decision that that either will this decision either we're not going to do it or we are just it, we're going to deprioritize this to put it down on the bottom of the pile, uh, so to speak. It, you know, right, what, well, it certainly that thing. You know, we, I mean, I think when we first spoke about this last week, it's like it's like yeah, was this just a, a mess up and someone forgot? And I, I think our initial kind of feeling was, yeah, forgetting doesn't happen quite the way you know sometimes people work at forgetting you know right and it's like what well, scott said he you know maybe on average he was he was in contact with someone at city hall every three months since 2018 um well that's pretty regular for most people to to have any contact mm-hmm. in city hall um so th- there's no forgetting going on now i think you know i've had conversations with, with multiple people um, and multiple sources on this with some knowledge of, of what goes on at City Hall. Um, and they were both talking about different things than what I'm going to be talking about here. But but the the strong implication, and I, th- I think I can say that quite confidently, is from both these people quite independently with very different uh, backgrounds, uh, very different perspectives, is that uh, there was a negative feeling amongst some city hall staff towards Burlington Taxi and maybe specifically towards Mr. Wallace. 
Now, that's by the way, I, I myself have said some negative things about Burlington Taxi over the years. Uh, in fact, my initial reaction when, when the company, when the news came out, well, was, was not very positive because I never used Burlington Taxi. And once or twice I did use them, I did not have a very good experience. Um, however, that is irrelevant to this situation. We're talking about a directive of council to staff the staff did not act on. That is goes to the core of kind of how our municipal government works, that those directives have to be followed. Because in terms of independent power of councillors to pursue any kind of agenda whatsoever, that's the only tool they have. Uh, in every other regard, councillors can only react to what is put in front of them by staff. Staff directives are the things where they can say, okay, we want this to happen, and we don't care that staff don't want it to happen. We're telling you, go and do it. Well, so me, it's a limited tool, but it's the only tool they've got. Well, look, 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 at it, look at it in perspective. Whether or not you enjoyed using Burlington Taxi or not, Burlington Taxi was a huge employer in the city. Scott himself said he had 200 some odd cars in his fleet. That's 200 drivers uh, out on the roads, not to mention the uh, support staff that would be required to maintain that fleet, to to the 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 account you know the accountancy and and all the stuff that went on behind the scenes to keep the the operation going, they're a ma they're a major employer. Not to mention as well, a major service provider. The the families and the those who are of low income means and those on a fixed income, seniors especially, who are dependent on Burlington Taxi to shuttle them around the city to go about their lives. They were a major player. To just say, well, I I, I think the guy's a jerk. I don't want to deal with them. You do not have the luxury to make that call, if, no. unle really, unless you're a democratically elected councillor who can be held to account every four years. This, what, what I, we were talking about this before we hit record. What gets me with this whole situation is we have a major Burlington company, a major player in the community, a fixture in the community, tells us has been screaming for weeks, I'm going to be closing the, my doors. We can't fix this. I can't, I needed to fix this, and we find out that they've been pissing around for three years. They don't fix it. They shuffle it. Again, they do what they do best, shuffle it off. He ends up closing his doors for good. They go to business overnight and there's no outrage at city staff for this. There's, there's, I, I've yet to see one counselor come out publicly and denounce city staff. Say, you guys, and this is, kids, close your, shut your ears. City staff, you fucked up royally here. Like if, if 200 people are out of work, seniors and families are now unable to rely on Burlington Taxi for their services. Somebody should be held to account at city staff. We, 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 we've heard from Scott. He said, I need, I need them to change the bylaws so I can adjust my model so I can keep up, keep operating. And instead they shuffle, shuffled it off down the road. And the well, question and, is, and the uh, and the bylaw was changed a week after Burlington Taxi closed down. Right, right. So, so, so um, now the bylaw. It's not entirely true, to, having read the bylaw, to say that the bylaw that's passed has has done everything that Scott was asking for. However, the effect, at least in the interim term, is that Hamilton's Blue Line Taxi have got what um, uh, uh, Scott was asking for. So. There's a kind of fine distinction there. I just want to be as accurate as possible about the bylaw that's been passed doesn't specifically talk about owner or, uh, owner uh, 
sorry, uh, driver ownership and things like that that Scott was talking about, which were the things that he he wanted. But what's been happened? What has happened in effect is that Burlington will now allow driver driver owners, uh, drivers who own their own taxis, yeah, owner yeah. operators. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, operating um, to operate in Burlington, city. whereas previously they wouldn't. And that's but- and that's uh, uh, what what now. There was an apology made at the council meeting, at the emergency council meeting, which which passed that bylaw adjustment or that change. Um, and the apology was from the city uh, manager, Tim Camisso. And it was a fairly, fairly profuse apology from Tim Camisso to councillors. No apology was made to Burlington Taxi. No indication of, of any part in the closure of Burlington Taxi, you know, and Scott isn't putting everything at their door. He said, you know, the insurance rates, the inability to get drivers, uh, were, you know, the things which ultimately have, have brought Burlington to a taxi to a close this year. However, the longstanding problem that Burlington Taxi um, was not able to move to a, 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 a uh, that phrase you just used, <laughs> owner-operator uh, model, uh, um, where, where the drivers buy their own taxis, um, uh, was was a major factor in it, it, uh, that was involved. So you know, uh, but the, the city clearly is not going to take any culpability for that. I'm sure the lawyers wouldn't let them, whatever. But you know, this is the way the world works, and it's it's disappointing. Um, and a reaction to this kind of apology from from Tim Camisso, the, the the city manager, from councillors was actually quite a bit of like kind of oh well our hardworking staff have sort of jumped into action and this is you know they're they're so wonderful and it's like well they're only jumping into action because they, they screwed caught. up they got caught, <laughs> they, got caught. Yeah. they got caught putting it off and they they literally this is high school cramming 101 this is oh shit the big report is the big book report is due tomorrow i gotta put something on paper i'll just bullshit my way through it hand it in and oh yeah the teacher doesn't know the difference they gave me a passing grade and that's yeah. where, where where was where was the the in, the indictment from city council to city staff to say you where how did how did you sleep on the on this for three years well and, I, and there was a there was a acknowledgement that Mistakes had happened, and their staff directive was not implemented. But there was no explanation of why, how it happened, why it happened. Um, there's talk about well, there have been procedural changes. Well, what procedural changes? Could we, could we, could we learn, please, what the procedure was previously that right. went so wrong, clearly, and what the procedure is now that's going to be different? We'd like to know. Now, you know, when I ran for council back in 2018, there were candidates who would name city staff individually and, and do really quite unpleasant things. And I would not get involved with personal attacks or, or on staff because they don't have the ability to reply. So I'm not going to call for any individual's resignation or anything, but ultimately any employee in any place and in, this, in, in, the, in the public service has to be accountable for their actions just like the rest of us do. You know, ultimately, if I'm in any job and I screw up royally, I'm going to be accountable. And if it's if it's something that affects businesses in the, in the city where I live, then I have to be accountable for that too. So we're not going to go after people or anything like that. But, you know, ultimately, when things go badly wrong and it can be identified that this was a staff responsibility that was not followed through on, and sure, councillors and the mayor have, have a role in that because they could have been much more on the ball about making sure um, that their own instructions were actually, you know, put into action. We have to say what 
what's what here? And that is that something went very seriously wrong and you can make all the assurances in the world that it won't happen again. It doesn't really mean anything until well, we understand uh, what actually happened and what's changed that may, means it won't happen the again. Pro the problem is, quite frankly, is it this whole thing reeks of let's get over, let's get past this because I don't think anyone anyone on city council, the good or the bad or or the in between, want people to, to remember this. They want this to be passed. Let's forget this and move on. Um, city staff clearly wanted to be moved on because they know they fucked up. Like in 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 the private world, this would be a fireable offense. This would be this this is the equivalent of the. The, the board of directors of a company saying, I want to report on the on what needs to be done to make us more competitive or to make us more profitable and losing out to a competitor in the in the free marketplace. Yeah, somebody is going to be fired over this in the in the in the private enterprise. This is public government, so that's not quite so simple. Here's a, again, I'm, I'm going to throw it back to the city councilors because I would argue if you're legitimately outraged over this colossal failure of city staff uh because i really don't know like with 200 people out of work and a, and a major business gone i don't know how else to categorize it as a colossal failure in every regard uh, from burlington city staff the question i would have is wh why are you not calling some kind of inquiry to either ask a third-party investigator to come in and say we need to find out what happened here because not only not only are you, do you want to know what happened with this file you, I'll be wondering what other files are you sitting on that you are not doing work on? What other staff directives are sitting on somebody's inbox that haven't been touched in the intervening three years? What happens? What exactly happens when we give you a staff directive? What, yeah. what, what, I mean, what? You, you assume there's a list kept somewhere and that a list would be very carefully well, uh, but curated but and looked after curated, to make sure that those. Uh, what, yeah. what are the processes? If, you know, where, where do you. Can you get like do the city council say? Can you you know Tim? Can you give us an update on the last week's staff directive? What stage are we at on the process? Did you hand it off to the you know the the person the department head? Did you know do you have a team involved in looking? Whatever the case may be, you you can't you can't have this willful ignorance of oh well you know we'll just do better next time with two hundred people in a major business out of work now and a, a lifeline in the city poof gone. I'd be I'd be wanting to say. Not only, not only do I want to know who who was responsible for this, what exactly happened here. I'd be wanting to say, I want to know for a fact this isn't going to be happening again because I want to go to the public and say, "Yep, we got it. This is this is how this operates," which is going to mean I think a lot of changes at City Hall because there be, which what mean is more public scrutiny, more public inquiry. That anybody once a public once a directive of city council has been given to city staff that anybody should be able to follow up with it and say, what's the status of this? Where, where are you on? Council directors should be, I mean, they are a matter of public record anyway, right. because they're in the right. minutes of council. Absolutely. So that, those directors, but it should be down to us to go through the minutes for the last 20 years and look at every directive and see if it's been followed up on. It seems fully, you know, it's fairly low tech kind of thing to have that on the website somewhere so that everybody can check. Um, you know, when was that directive made? When was it meant to come back to council? Did it come back on the date they said it was going to come back? Three months? Or did it come back three years almost later? Almost four years later. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, and if so, what was the reason why? Yeah. And I, I just want to address a couple of other quick points as well, because. You know, depending on people's perspectives on Burlington Council, which tends to polarize in one of two ways, uh, people try to make their 
excuses or their explanations according to their pre-existing prejudices, I, I tend to think. So one point was somewhere, uh, someone suggested to me, well, you know, there's been an awful lot of staff changes at, at, at City Hall since 2018, and a lot of people quit. The old city manager was um, was let go, you know, immediately days after the last election. Um, you know, that kind of transition period, that kind of institutional memory, uh, got screwed up because of because staff didn't like the mayor. Well, a that's not really actually an excuse. Um, uh, B we know for a fact that that's not true because Mr. Wallace has been going backwards and forwards to City Hall every three months since then to say, "Hey, where's my where's my bylaw update?" Um, so that doesn't hold any water. Uh, the second point is that uh, that point, that technical point, that an old council, the decision of an old council cannot bind those of a new council. So you know everything kind of dies. It's like when Parliament. Um, at the end of Parliament comes that you know any legislation that's three quarters of the way through just gets cancelled. It's the same kind of principle, um, and that's true. And what should happen in the transition to a new council is is that all those staff directives are on a big long list, and you go through them. And actually, um, the city clerk describes this kind of process for for what happens after the next municipal election. Uh, you go through the list. Like, okay, do we do we like all these? And then we'll we'll carry those forward. And if we don't like some, then the council has the ability to say, okay, don't put that one back on the list. We don't like it. But none of that seems to have happened here. There's certainly, no formal or, or open process took place. Um, so so that doesn't really get anybody off the hook either. I don't think that the trans. You know, it's not unusual for city managers to. Um, the, the fact, the fact know, is, to, to change. No, I mean, maybe no not usually immediately after an election. But. The excuses that were given don't hold mustard. They, they don't. They wouldn't hold mustard. I think in high school, they wouldn't certainly wouldn't hold mustard in the boardroom of a major company, and they shouldn't hold mustard in city council chambers. This this reeks of people just trying to let's. We either a don't want to face up our own, face up to our own incompetence on this file, or something something possibly more nefarious took place there's more there's more uh, more will, willful action took place in this i don't know what but it's clear people just don't want to deal with this anymore i, I suspect it's more of an embarrassment factor the fact that nobody's going to look good on right. this and i think there's a there's a culture between city staff and council that is is always a bit of a, of a delicate dance mm-hmm. um and they try to get around that by being very respectful each other so you know when when staff makes a boo-boo and the city manager makes an apology the council immediately goes into kind of oh don't worry about it it's fine we know our hard-working staff are so wonderful and i think that's almost like a reflex reaction to an extent and maybe because they've also been given private assurances that okay this won't happen again and they know a lot more details than they're letting on however this isn't a private um, situation this is the public this is our tax yeah. dollars at work. We and, and a company is a company no longer exists that is a very important company in the city, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's good enough to just brush that under the carpet. Um, it, it is a big deal, um, and fine. There's more to it than just the city's role in this, and we're not pretending that isn't the case. However, whenever a directive of council to staff is ignored that's a big deal ipso facto big deal mm-hmm. because that's how democracy works at municipal level um so yeah we need more all right we'll take a break for now and we'll come back with next story on uh, on the 905 roundup
And we're back. So next story up, we're taking a look at, again, more politics, because why not? <laughs> it's the end of the year. But we're, ta- we're stepping away from uh, Burlington City Council, and we want to take a look at, well, uh, the province, because things aren't looking too good for the Liberals or the NDP as we head into the into uh, next election year. Do they, Roland? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just, uh, I saw... Um... A reference on Twitter today to a poll, and I thought it was kind of interesting the numbers that were being mentioned. And I went looking for the poll and couldn't find it, um, but I eventually tracked it down. And it's, it's part of a uh, part of polling that was done by a company called Innovative Research, or just one of the polling companies in Ontario, as part of a report on energy and public opinion that they gave on December the eighth. And within that is is kind of some what we would understand as as just general political polling um, on you know who would you vote for if there's an election tomorrow and stuff like that, and yeah, I mean we we we've talked so often about about the things that this provincial government are doing that that seem so somewhere between a confident uh, incompetent and, and outright malicious so often, um, and and yet. Uh, as of today, um, 33% of people of uh, of people think Doug Ford would make the the best pr- premier of Ontario, versus 20% for Andrew Horvath and 11% for uh, Stephen Del Duca. I mean, it's like seriously, you guys can't even make better headway than that against a government which has had so many things uh, that would seem, you know, to to, to warrant all kinds of unpopularity um in terms of actually you know if an election was held tomorrow who would you vote for uh the the pcs are ahead in that as well 31 percent to 29 percent. now just like the federal election um in a sane world we'd call it a dead heat between three parties but that's not how we 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 look at our politics in this this country so 31 percent for the for the pcs and 29 percent for the liberals and 24 percent for the ndp is considered a win for the C, uh, for the PCs. Well, what got, um, got I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's bad. I mean, well, what, in got, terms what of, got me is on the there's there's a, the undecided. I don't know uh, marker. Twenty three percent. It it's actually in second place uh, compared to the, which leader would make the best premier of Ontario. The the I don't knows is running the second in second place with Doug Ford, which is it's shocking to me that you know it just. The, the 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 fact that they did that the, the the liberals have not been able to make an impact it's you're, you're right with all the goof ups and the, and the 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 blundering that the Doug Ford conservatives have done because uh, I, I I'll be honest I've not seen anyone who says hey they've you know they've just done a bang up job they've done the best that they could they they stumble and they fumble over everything and yet somehow he still has this folksy charm that just wins that, that people say, oh, you know, what else can you do? And I think part of the problem is um, the the NDP and the, Lib- and the Liberals are basically handing it, uh, are, are handing it to them uh, in every step of the way. They're both supremely unimpressive at the moment. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I have to say, you know, and God knows, I mean, I think our, our, our political perspective is fairly clear. I mean, it's not aligned to any party, um, but it is progressive. Um, so, you know, but, and, I would say this also, that, that provincial politics in Ontario, um, no one pays attention until the writ drops. Um, so it's a, it's a long-standing issue. You know, we used to 
talk, you know, when we were volunteers and things, it was people, you know, why aren't we doing better at communication? It's because you can do all the communication in the world. No one's going to read it until the writ drops. Like no one is interested, you know, I, I get however many scores of um, press releases coming from, from all the parties, all the parties who will send press releases. Uh, do you want to guess which one doesn't? Um, uh, um, saying, you know, whatever they're trying to push this week. But yeah, frankly, it doesn't interest me um, a whole lot um, because it's it's party, party talking points and it doesn't really tell me very much uh, most of the time. Um, so I do appreciate that it's very difficult especially if you're a new leader, especially if you don't even have a seat in the house to get noticed, to get any kind of headway, especially if you're the third party. Mm-hmm. Um, however, everything seems to point towards the liberals being the likely second choice or the, the likely, they're going to be up there with the NDP. I mean, I'm not saying the NDP uh, are not going to come out of this strongly. Anything can happen. That's for sure. In, in, in Ontario politics. Well, in fact, I, Canadian politics generally. Um, I mean, I'm, but- like, I'm looking at the, the poll here and like, yeah, the, the liberal brand is relatively strong, but in the last, uh, according to the last few months, uh, the Tories have overtaken them again. Um, the, 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 I think part of it is that the, 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 the there's nobody's putting forward the, a good, a good narrative of how we're going to deal with COVID. I, I, I still think it comes back to COVID. I really, I really do. I think that this, this pandemic is not is reshaping our, our society constantly. And we still, you know, the everybody remembers when we're gonna release all the restrictions for COVID in next year. And by March of next year, we're gonna go right back to how everything is hunky dory, everything is fine. And Omicron comes and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're, we're talking about going back into March of twenty twenty. We're gonna like we're going like straight back into full on lockdown. I I hope it doesn't come to that, but who knows? I mean, that's the talk that that's out there. Let's face it. We are not going back to the before times. We need to change the way this this province operates and our country operates if we're going to deal with this, these waves as they're going to come. Um, the the liberals just aren't out there making this case. You know, I, I think it would be helpful if Stephen Del Duca was in, um, in, in the legislature and he was able to get some uh, some playtime. I, I, I don't see him that often out out in the in the uh, in the world, I, I, he, yeah. Doug Ford makes the bad call, and of course they get Del Duca or Horvath comes out and say, "Yeah, that's a bad call." But that's what always happens. Nobody puts forward a, a narrative of this is you, what you, needs to happen. You've, and we need to surely by now we're starting to get a sense of how to take on the Trump syndrome politicians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, Rob Ford was really the first uh, of that breed of politician. The, the I'm useless and I know it, but at least I'm different kind of politician. Right. Um, and if nothing else, it comes back to that point. If nothing else, does that not prove to us that there is an appetite for politicians who are different? Um, and then you're going to put up um, Del Duca <laughs> against that, and then you're going to put up Andrew Horvath, who's on what? Her, is this a fourth general election? She'll be yeah, taking a tilt at. Yeah, that's um, a, that's who, who's who's really never managed to break through. Um, even has stolen defeat from the jaws of victory once or twice in terms of where she's positioned the NDP um, vis-a-vis the Liberals. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's it's. I, I think the the thing the you worst need, thing you need you need big ideas to go up against big idiots. 
I need a plan to follow through with it. And I think that I think part of the problem is we're but all three parties are relying on the playbook from the mid 1990s. They're, they're still relying on the Jean Chrétien yeah, yeah. playbook of let's under uh, uh, undersell and overperform, which worked in the 90s. It worked for Jean Chrétien beautifully. Good for him. He 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 cracked it. I would argue though um, that doesn't work. The 90s in the 90s and the early 2000s things were were very hunky dory. We we things were okay. This you wouldn't a, be saying, I mean, we're, we're, much as, people are scared out of their minds. The family, I know for a fact, families are terrified of their kids getting COVID. They're terrified of schools shutting down again. They're, they're, they're terrified of being told we can't go see your friends and family anymore. And quite frankly, it, it th these fears are real. And to, I, I would argue in the last federal election, you don't really address it. People understand these, these, this thing is real. It's huge. It's bigger than all of us. And you need big ideas to tackle it. How are we going to address it? How are we going to make sure that if this comes back again, we have a system in place to deal with it? We're, we're done with the let's, let's fumble bum and let's come up with a new plan this week. It's no, I want somebody who's going to come up with a plan. We're going to revamp our social system so that we can deal with it so people aren't going to lose their homes if we have to close down we're going to make sure that the healthcare system can get needles into arms efficiently quickly and not make it a free for all like for some reason that we're still back in a free for all to get booster shots in this province i don't know how this is happening but it is and yet again all we have is well let's just go and bitch and moan to to the liberals and here's the thing every everybody out there and if you're a liberal organizer or if you're an NDP organizer, I, I hope you listen to these next words very closely because this is what's going on. And this is what everybody, I guarantee you, in the 905 in the province of Ontario is thinking. We're going to hear Andrew Horvath and Stephen Del Duca come out and complain about whatever thing Doug Ford does wrong. We know he's going to do something wrong. They're going to come out and they, they're going to complain and say, oh, he he's doing it poorly. He needs to do better. Shame on him. Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And then we're not here about it. We won't hear anything until the writ drops. And then when the writ drops, we're going to hear these piecemeal, oh, we're going to give you a tax credit for football camp. We're going to give you a tax credit for dance lessons. We're going to give you, um, you know, uh, we're going to help uh, uh, give you a tax credit on windows and whatnot. And everyone's like, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. I'm scared shitless of COVID. What are you going to do to make sure that when I go down to my family doctor, they've got a vaccine waiting to put my arm or into my kid's arm? or a booster shot for my relatives. Well, how are you going to make sure that I can work from home and I don't have to worry about my boss calling me up at three o'clock in the afternoon and say, yeah, if you don't come in tomorrow, I'm firing you. Like, how, yeah, who, where, where's the thing that, that we're going to take control of development in this province so that, so that our cities are designed better, are built better, are, den are dense and uh, uh, have the best architecture, but are, are still shaped in ways that are informed by the people who live in that city. How, how are we going to, you know, rather than talking about minimum wages and whether it should be 16, 17, 18, 19, $20, whatever, uh, how are we going to how we can talk about abolishing minimum wages and making sure that everybody earns enough and that, uh, that there's more than a safety net that if that that poverty is eliminated that uh uh you know people aren't lacking medicine people aren't catching um c diff in hospital getting an operation and then being told that the medicine to treat that disease costs three thousand dollars because it's not covered by ohip um you know what, what are the things that that, that would 
the indicate a fundamental change on a scale of everybody, how we changed after the Second World War with introduction every, every, of every elect uh, every elector okay. in this in this country in this province in this in the 905 region is knows in their gut the election is going to come and we're going to get down in trickles and bobbles. We're not going to get an actual plan. We're not going to get a grand vision. We're not going to say, yeah, the old way doesn't didn't work. It left a lot of people behind and it didn't work. And we're done giving out tax credits for little trinkets and little things. When are we talking about greenifying our economy? Are we going to talk about actually uh, you know, working to install more, more electric uh, charging stations in publicly owned lands? Are we going to talk about actually getting electric cars on the roads one way or the other? These things matter to people. They, this is what people are, are wanting to hear. They're wanting to see. They want big ideas. They're tired of, because quite frankly, it, it tells, it says you're cowardly or you just, you don't get it. You don't get what my life needs. Things have changed so drastically in the last two years. You need to change your approach to politics. And well, just sit and there. I think people, people are crying. Yes. Sorry. I just cut you off there, but. <laughs> no, go ahead. People go are ahead. crying. Uh, people are crying out for, people are crying out for people who will tear up the rule book of 1990s politics of that kind of let's appeal to the most middle of the middle road because those guys will vote for us and you know the, the people who want more radical reform too bad they'll vote for us anyway mm -hmm. that's not the way that's working we have a completely fractured political scene um which ends up with with a party that can't get more than 33% of the vote forming governments. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the rise of the Trumps and the Fords and the Johnsons is a symptom of this because people look at those guys and go, well, you know what? He may be a buffoon and a moron, but at least he's different um, from these tame, boring, grey fools who, who, who aren't, aren't promising any mm -hmm. significant change. And, and sure, most of us won't vote for the buffoons because we're looking for a for someone with actual vision, with actual um, actual ideas, um, but but there's enough people who will go for the buffoon. That the buffoon is the one you end up in government with. <laughs> it's it's yeah. I mean, if you're if you're listening and you happen to be have Stephen Dolan Duke's ear or Andrew Horvath's ear, tell them go go big. Do just we we need we need big ideas because um, Lord knows we're not getting them from the conservatives these days. And if you want the evidence that this works, yeah, so take Trudeau's first election. So went into that election trailing in third place behind the NDP. Now, we know now that Trudeau is, is, is hardly a revolutionary. However, of the options on the table between, you know, Mr. Gray, Stephen Harper, Mr. Brownish Gray, uh, and Trudeau was the colourful character who seem to offer the best chance of significant change of like a real change of direction for, for people who generally aren't involved in politics like okay this guy looks like he can bring something and he won you know uh, against all all logic in some ways um uh i mean not against all logic but i mean you know he won he won colorful character won he won, uh, the, he won on his, person, his win. personality was bigger that was bigger than everyone else in the stage and that's why he yeah. won um i would i would argue he's been tarnished so badly that if aaron o'toole had a bolder vision tom mulcair oh my god there we go there we go <laughs> but if, if um it, no but if jagmeet saying and or Aaron O'Toole had a kind of a bolder vision, something really earth-shattering. They probably would have won. They would have won, won uh, 
past Justin Trudeau because Justin Trudeau in the last election did not put forward a grand vision. It was it was very underwhelming. Um, this provincial election, I'm sad to say, is shaping up to be more like the federal one. I I yet to hear I, I'm, I'm yet to hear a grand post COVID nineteen vision of what an Ontario provincial society is going to look like. It's um. It, I, I hope I'm proved wrong. I'm hoping proved wrong. You know what? I'm going to say this much. Andrea or Steven, if you're listening, come on next year to the 905-er. It'll be election year. Come on. Share us your ideas. To prove us wrong. Well, uh, yeah, prove us wrong. If we're idiots, like we are delighted to have anybody on this show. Oh, my come God, yes. Idiots to our faces. It would be great, great. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be cathartic <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. And, and I'm quite willing to admit that it's very likely true. So you know, we're just spouting off our opinions here, but you know, I, I do think I do think that, that there's something to it. Um, that you know, the the age where playing it safe and playing it grey is over. Um, there is a demand for something more, and and you know, my God, the NDP claim that they're that. I mean, so prove it. I'm not seeing it yet. Um, well, you know what? We're coming up on our 40 minute mark, so I think we're going to, have to wind up the episode there, so people can get on with their days. But yeah, if you if you're like us, and you're getting a little tired of of the same old same old. Share the share this episode around. Share it around the uh, around your friends. Share it on social media. Uh, I, I'd love to know if we're if we're off base with everyone else, and maybe we're just two grumpy white guys in a basement just ticked off. Or I I, I suspect we're we're on we're on the money on this on this one that people want big bold and and brave and not just timid and and trickled some more of the same yeah right now you look at that at the three and i with the greatest respect to uh mike schreiner and the greens actually i think mike schreiner is is probably deserves far more attention um just in terms of the efficiency of their organization actually getting me onto their mailing list so that i can get the press releases from every party um the greens take the biscuit um uh, and they they issue more press releases than any of the other parties um so those guys deserve all kinds of attention so we're not ruling them out at all but right now there are three parties who are who appear to be in the leads and there's the usual three and that's what we're dealing with um and it, it seems to be an election shaping up to be more of the same, and a more of the same election favors Doug Ford. It it always a more of the same kind of always favors the incumbent because he's the same that we're going to have more of. Um, you know, it's like you, if you want to take it away from an incumbent who's who's you know only coming up for his second go round, you've got to give people like a real reason to take it away from that person because incumbency does is not nothing. I ask Mike Harris. All right, folks. Well, we'll leave it at that, and we'll talk with you next week uh, with only two episodes left in the calendar year uh, before we take a break uh, for the holidays and uh, and talk in the new year. Thanks, everyone, and talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. 
as well links are in the show notes for your convenience lastly you can find us on social media search for the underscore 905er on facebook twitter instagram and linkedin so long for now see you next time to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.